0: It's good to be with you today. Beautiful November morning here. Hey, I want to I wanna start today, and I want to um, brag about one of the great ministries that we have here at our church. I, I'm truly always so thankful to God and so amazed by how you serve each other in our community, and just there's some times where I just have to... Uh, say something about it and we need to thank god for it and i want to talk about our food pantry for a minute so our food pantry yeah give them a round. You're, you're gonna so in in 2021 they served 140 people a month through the whole year and they did it all for 2300 bucks was it 140 groceries for a month all those in 2022, they served 141 a month, and they did it all for 750 bucks for the whole year. Unbelievable! And what this ministry—they work so hard to find grants, to just find ways to, um, you know, use great stewardship and and use you know any resource they can to to make it um, affordable and easy as a church. 2023. The food pantry this year has grown 37% because we know families are hurting. Uh, inflation, economy, it's tough. Groceries are more expensive. So they're currently serving 194 a month, um, and it's cost about 5500 this year is the estimated cost. So can we just say, these guys do amazing work uh, with a little. Amen? Like, that is, that is good stewardship. So every year, uh, to fund that ministry, our Food for Kids ministry, which we'll talk about here in a couple weeks as well, and others, we do a Christmas offering, and uh, a portion of that goes to all these type of benevolence ministries. So we're going to be talking about that for the the next couple uh, of weeks, but I want to share with you the good work that you're doing, and I want you to pray and see if that's something God might put on your heart to give to, to support. Uh, you, there's probably a link online or envelopes. You'll figure it out, uh, something like that. <laughs> um, but but I, I'm proud of what they do. I'm thankful for what they do. And church, you guys are amazing. So let's give one more round of applause. And let me pray, and we'll get to the message today. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your goodness, for your kindness, for your love in our lives. Father, help us to see the wisdom of sacrifice, Lord. It's a scary word and a scary reality, but yet, Lord, there is deep spiritual change and transformation behind it. So, Father, help us to see uh, that when we hold on to our life, we lose it. But when we lose our life for your sake, we find it. Help us to see the worth of of who you are, and the life that you cost to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series, Stop Trying and Start Training. And we've been talking about different ways to grow our souls. That our souls, it's not just about waking up and saying, I'm going to try harder to be a different person. But it's about kind of putting our soul through different exercises, different habits, different practices, that form us more into who God wants us to be. And, uh, and today we're going to continue that. We're going to talk about this idea of sacrifice as a discipline, as a, a way of growing our soul. And there's a lot of baggage with that term. It probably brings up a lot of different connotations in our life. But, but I was thinking about it this week, and I've always been fascinated by chess. You know, I've always like loved to, to listen to um, great chess players talk. I mean, because these are incredibly brilliant people. I mean, somebody who's good at chess, like, watch out. That's a smart man or smart woman. It, it just requires a different way of thinking. I'm not good at chess, but I like it, you know. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that, that I know is true about chess is that you cannot win the game and keep all your pieces. It, it, right, Even the best chess players in the world, the grand masters, they cannot win a game, and at the end of the day, all the pieces that they start with, they have at the end. They, they can't do it. Because it requires, it requires that you strategically and the great players know how to do this you strategically sacrifice your pieces to get to the king to get to the, to the ending that you want. But if you've played chess, like I, I non-strategically sacrifice pieces. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. Uh, there goes my queen. Uh, you know, this game's not going to last long. And, and, that, and that's what you don't want to do, right? But the, the great minds, they know that, that there's the right sacrifice brings them to where they want to be, to the king, to winning the game. And I believe that there's a reality in life, too, that, that mirrors chess, that you cannot get through life without having to make sacrifices. Mom and dads, you make sacrifices. You make sacrifices at home, at your work, in your community, at church, all this. It, it's, it's a It's a fundamental reality of life. But here's what's tricky about it. You can make a sacrifice that you don't really want to. You with me on this? You, you can lose your queen and just be like, oh, I didn't see, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think it would, would happen that way. And, and now there, there's something important lost in your life. The reality is we're all going to make sacrifices, but but the question we have to ask ourselves today, will they be the right ones? I've had uh, uh, good friends that uh, they went to the doctor again and again, and finally one day the doctor said, you can't keep working like this because your heart cannot take it. Like literally, it's out of rhythm, you got your blood pressure, all this, that the stress that that you're experiencing in your role right now, it's literally sacrificing your health, your heart. And I've had friends that have actually had to step away from their careers because they were sacrificing their health For their work. And they said, oh, as I realized that that's not a sacrifice I really want to make. You with me on this? I've seen, we've all probably known or maybe wrestled in our own life where you can can sacrifice marriage and family for careers. Or you're you're giving all the time, then all of a sudden you take a step back. You're like, whoa, all these years went by. I sacrificed them. I didn't really mean to. I didn't really want to. But that's what what happened. And the thing about sacrifice is we want to make sure that we're making the right sacrifice that gets us closer to the king. And in fact, I would say today that I believe there's there's sacrifices you can make that get you closer to the king, but they also end up giving your life more and not less. See, some things we sacrifice and they just take away. They just, they just end up giving our life less. Maybe some of us have been in seasons in our life where, where maybe it was someone we were dating or you know, something we were connected to and, and we were you know, wanting to be part of it, but what we ended up doing was sacrificing our walk with God in those moments. And it, and it, and it took more away from us. But the beauty of what we're going to talk about today is there are some sacrifices that get us closer to the king, to God. And in God's grace, in God's goodness, anything that we give up for him in his way, in his time, according to his eternal plan, he rewards beyond what is ever sacrificed. This is the beauty and goodness of God. See, we talk about this language as Christians as sacrifice, but when you're in eternity, anything you think you gave up for God, you're going to be like, I didn't really sacrifice anything. Because of what I've gotten in his goodness and his mercy and his love, so far outweighs, but I'll be honest with you, it's hard to see that today. It's hard to connect with that uh, in our life. So we're going to talk about this, and I want to share with you one of my favorite stories in Scripture. It's 1 Samuel Chapter 14, and bear with me. We're going to read through this whole story. So I need you alert, awake, alive, fired up, because it's such a powerful story. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. And and this, is, I believe, is story about sacrifice. So here we go. First uh, Samuel 14, and I'm going to start at verse one. And don't worry, we'll explain all this. It says this: One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor. Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he, Jonathan, did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahazaj, the son of Ahutub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phineas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh. When you come to biblical names, just make up how you think it sounds. <laughs> Say it confidently. Say it confidently. No one will know. Uh, that's always my approach. The people who did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine Gerasene, there was a rocky crag on the one side, a rocky crag on the other side. The name of one was Bozes, the name of the other Sina. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, the other on the south in front of Giba. Remember that advice. Jonathan said... <laughs> Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. And just look at this verse. This verse is so beautiful. If you have a pen, you can underline it. It may be that the Lord will work for us. So Jonathan, this dude guy, he's just going to go into battle against far superior numbers. And here's what he's going on. It might be that God will help us. But what's the flip side of that? It might be that he won't. <laughs> and he's like, he's he's not confident enough to say, I guarantee God's gonna help us, or God told me in a dream to do this. He's like, it it might be. Well, yeah, you might win the lottery too, you know? But but anyway, I love that. But it might be, sir, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that's in your heart, do as you wish, behold, I'm with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait till we come to you, then we'll stand still in our place and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. The Philistine says, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden, come on pages, and the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan. They said, come up. Jonathan said, come up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Thanks. And he climbed up on his hands and knees. And at the first strike, they killed about 20 men. And there was panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earthquake, and it became a very great panic. That's a cool story. Did you catch all of it? That's a, that's a great story. And and it centers on this this guy named Jonathan. And let me talk to you about him for a second. So you may not have caught it, but Jonathan is the prince of Israel in this story. His father is named Saul. And Saul was the first king of Israel. So this is a a very, you know, great honor. This is something that, that God called him, and God chose him, and God established the throne. And Jonathan is the next in line he is the heir. Uh, you know, Saul has other kids and stuff, but, but Jonathan's the oldest. He's the one that everyone assumes is going to take the throne. And what's so cool about Jonathan is he's the kind of guy you would want on the throne. Every story you read about Jonathan, you're like, this is a guy of character. This is a guy of courage. This is, this is a, a man of, of humility. This, this is this is the kind of guy you want in charge, and you're like, he's going to do the right thing. He, he doesn't seem selfish or egotistical. He's got a servant's heart. Like, like, all that we see of Jonathan is noble and good, and he's next in line for the throne. But here's what's fascinating about Jonathan. He doesn't seem to care about the throne at all. He doesn't seem driven by the throne at all. And it's this interesting contrast because Saul, his father, seems much more comfortable and preoccupied in the privileges of his role as king. And Jonathan is cut from a different cloth. For him, he he doesn't seem motivated by power and glory and pomp and comfort and all that. He seems He seems driven by something else. In fact, we see one episode in Jonathan's life where where he realizes he's not going to be the next king. That there's another man that God is raising up named King David. And you know what Jonathan does? He's not threatened by it at all. In fact, he says to David, look, you're the rightful king. God's called you, and I'm going to be your support. That is a humble and beautiful heart. Amen? How many other people would be threatened by David, would be like, no way, you're, you're taking you know, the power and all this, and, and, and Jonathan isn't that. And he's, he's not after the throne in a way that, that you would think. Now, here's what I find so powerful about this. I believe in our hearts we are all after some kind of throne. Here's what I mean. We're all after that thing in life and it, and it it re- represents these things to us it, it represents significance it represents happiness it represents power it represents security we're we're all striving after something and and you know have you ever had those moments in your in life where you're like if if i if i could just get this job life is going to be great and it's all going to work out and then you got it and you realize Oh, I guess that's not it. Amen? It, it, have you ever just kind of put your hopes and you're like, this relationship, or if, if one day if, if I could have a relationship, or if I could have a family, or if, I, if all this, or if this season of life passes, or if I just get this, it's all, it's all going to be good, or I'm going to be happier. Or if I get this amount of money, or if I, I reach this level of success, Or if I make the team, whatever, that church, that's our throne. And I believe as human beings, we're kind of wired to be in pursuit of a throne. And the throne will dictate what we're willing to sacrifice. The throne will, will dictate what we're willing to give up to get it. There's interesting studies about Olympic athletes, and they're like, if you could win a gold medal, but you knew for sure it would take years off your life, what would you rather have, the years of your life for the gold medal? You know what they say? I'll take the gold medal. That's their throne. That's what they're after. So they're saying, hey, if, if it destroys my body, I, I'm okay. I'll sacrifice my body if I get that throne. And, and we're, all, we're all after a throne, but, but not all thrones are equal. And not all thrones are worth sacrificing for. Jonathan was after a different throne. And so Jonathan's life looked different. And you see it in this passage. There's something different about this guy. And it's so cool. He he sees now, let me kind of give you the context. If you read the chapter around this, you'll see the, the scene that happened here. The Philistines and the ancient Israelites, they are... Uh, at war with each other constantly. The Philistines are way more powerful. 1 Samuel tells us that in all of Israel, there's only two people with swords. Jonathan and Saul, the king and the prince. They're the only guys that have swords. Everybody else fights with like sticks and stones. Guess what? The Philistines, they all have swords. They not only have swords, they have chariots. How would you like fighting people in chariots and swords with a handful of gravel in your hands? I'd like, no thanks, amen? That, that's not the fight you want to, right? You, you, you want you wanna, the fight to be unfair, but to your advantage. And this fight isn't. And not only that, the Philistines greatly outnumber the armies of Israel. It tells us that there's thousands upon thousands that come in, and they invaded, and, and they were pinning down. Israel and, and the Israelites were hiding. It seems that there's hundreds of Israelites and there's tens of thousands of Philistines. This is not a good situation. And so what are they doing? What is Israel doing? Here's what they're doing. Nothing. Because there's fight, there's flights, and there's freeze. You ever been in a situation where you did, your fight or flight didn't kick in, just your freeze did, and you're like, ah, uh, you just that's where they're at. As they're they're frozen, and and they don't know what to do. And certainly, I don't really blame them. I wouldn't know what to do either. But here's what's amazing about Jonathan. He see he sees everything that everyone else sees. But yet, it stirs something in his soul, and he's like. I can't take this the way that it is. I got to just do something. He has one of those moments where he just kind of wakes up and he gets out of bed and he's got a little fire in his gut. You ever have those mornings? You're just just like, you know what? You ever get sick and tired of being sick and tired? You ever just kind of get like so frustrated you're like, I, I don't even need a good strategy. I'm just doing something different. Because it can't stay this way for another day. Church, believe it or not, those are holy moments in our life. Those are what I, I call the Popeye moments. Remember Popeye? This is all I can stand, and I can't stand it no more. Those are good moments, man. I, Popeye was awesome. That's so all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. And the truth is, church, some of us we we are stuck because we can stand it. <laughs> That's proper grammar. I promise you. I know we got teachers in the room here. You can, fact. <laughs> but, but truly, church, you you and I, we should pray for a low tolerance for dysfunction in our life. Here's the problem in some of our lives that we have a high tolerance for dysfunction. We have a high tolerance for unhealthy. We have have a high tolerance for for the wrong kind of pain. And so so we don't get to that moment very quickly. But here's what I love about Jonathan. He's a little bit different. He's got a low tolerance. Everybody's in the cave. everybody It's amazing what you can get comfortable with in life, isn't it? It's dangerous, though. Because we can get comfortable in some really, really bad situations and say, well, I, I'm still comfortable, so I guess it can keep going this way. Well, Jonathan was different. He looked at the situation, he said, it can't keep going this way. And man, some of us, we need times where God helps us to get to that point. So I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired because that is the day that we really open ourselves to his help. That church, it doesn't feel like a holy day, but I'm telling you, it's a holy day. I'm sick and tired of this running my life. I'm sick and tired of the unhappiness in my home. I'm sick and tired of running from God. I'm sick and tired of not fulfilling the calling and the purpose that He has. When you, that frustration is a gift, church, it's a gift from God. And Jonathan was here. And then here's the second thing. Jonathan then, he saw himself differently. And I so admire this about him. Jonathan was, was the prince. How easy would it have been for him to wake up that morning and say, well, uh, did any official orders come down from dad, the king, the commander? Did he, did he you know, we have any objectives that, that were supposed to the, the army forming anywhere uh, you know, is there a formation going on? How, how easy would it have been for him to, to sit back and to wait for something like that, and say, well, I'm just going to hang out in my, my tent. It's breakfast time. Um, yeah, I'll take the avocado toast, please. <laughs> and some, some berries and granola. No, he didn't eat that stuff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he <didn't. laughs> but he, he's, but he, saw, he saw that his position was not a barrier to keep him away from danger, but it was a responsibility to lead the fight from the front. Now, when you look at Saul, Saul's leader, understanding leadership is totally different. He's like, hey, I'm the boss. I'm going to hang out. There's a pomegranate tree in this cave. You ever had a fresh pomegranate? They're good. I'm going to eat this thing. It takes seven hours to eat those things. I'm going to you know, I'm just gonna, we're, we're gonna figure this out. His, his approach is totally different. And Jonathan's like, no, I'm, I'm a prince of Israel. That means that I gotta lead by example. That means I gotta be the first one in the fight. Man, I believe that's the right approach to leadership, don't you? Hey, church, moms, dads, if, if you want the family dynamic to change, you know where it begins? with you. I I want my kids to be more passionate about God. How's your passion level for them? Raise that. And guess what? You'll change those around you. Because all real leadership is by example. Everything else is smoke screens. Yeah, you might be able to kind of fake it for a little bit, but at the end of the day, all real leadership is example. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. If, I, if, I, if I'm the boss and I don't like what I see, guess who's the first person that needs a change? It's me. And ironically, so many times in life, we're trying to change everybody else who we have no control over, except the one that the Lord says, hey, guess what, buddy? I've given you power to change yourself. I'll help you in that. I won't help you fix anyone else, but I'll help you fix and grow you. And we're like, no, Lord, I'm not interested. I'm kind of worried about everybody else. That's where the power is, though, church, in your life and my life. And and, and when you shift your heart, you're going to see people follow behind you because it's inspiring. And here's what I love about Jonathan, man. He saw God differently. Can we just talk about his faith for a second? He said, it might be that the Lord will help us. Remember, Jonathan doesn't have an army behind him. He's got an armor bearer. Translation, he's got an 18-year-old private behind him. <laughs> Some of you know what that looks like. Uh, but I love the loyalty of that armor bearer. Isn't that beautiful? I'm with you heart and soul. The, you can't manipulate that type of loyalty. You, know, you, you can't manipulate. That. What that tells me is that Jonathan led that young man well. That, that that he was not he was a real deal because he's with him. i'm heart and soul and we need people in our life that are with us heart and soul i pray and, and hope that you have friends and, and we need to be those type of friends like yeah this is a dumb idea but i'm in you know probably gonna die but they'll say nice things at my funeral and 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 he and he goes but but really what drove him was was he thought differently about God it might be that the Lord Will help us. How how much of a green light do you need from God before you do something? Do you you need the clouds to spell it? Uh, Lord, uh, should I do this? Okay. I'm not seeing the Y forming in the clouds. I'm not seeing the E. uh, So I I guess how how much do we need? How much of a go from God do we need? Here's what's so cool about Jonathan. He did not need much, you know, kind of like Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. So you're saying that's all he needed. That, that's, that's where his, his faith was. Man, I, I just, and, and sometimes, you know, as Christians, we can get so paralyzed in you know, trying to like get this, all this detailed clarity from God uh, one of my good friends one time, he, he said he was kind of like thinking about um, doing um, youth ministry. And he was like, you know, I don't know if God wants, wants me to do it. I'm really praying. And I can tell he's like a little stressed out. And I was like, dude, I don't think this is very hard. Do you think God doesn't want you to reach young people for Christ? you think God's looking at me like, hmm, that's a bad idea. Like, nope, nope, too many young people coming to the Lord. I can't, nope, can't take it. Uh, I don't think so. So go and do it, you know? Uh, he didn't. My, <laughs> my motivation tactic didn't work, but, uh, but I, I think that's right. If, if you're trying to serve and honor God, don't overthink it, right? Jonathan's like, look, the people of God are pinned down. Somebody's got to do something. I guess I'm it. And he went and he believed. And church, you, you, God in you is so much more powerful than you believe, than you know. And then you think. But here's what's beautiful. When you start moving, you will see his hand moving through you in ways you cannot expect. Church, here's what I believe. I don't care who you are. When you enter the right fight, it's a game changer. Because God is in you. Because God is with you. And too many times, as far as of Christ, we're sitting on our hands. We're, we're paralyzed. And the Lord's just like, dude, just go for it. I'll meet you. And that's what happens here with Jonathan, isn't it? He goes, and and all this weird stuff happens. Did you catch that in those verses? The the, the people start to panic. There's an earthquake. Do you think that's coincidence? Or is that the hand of God honoring his faith? And many times, church, we want the panic and we want the earthquake before we take the step of faith. But I'm telling you, most of the time, you got to take that step first. That's the deposit. That's the cost to it. You step into the uncertainty, but here's what you will see. The help of God with you. Here's what you will see. The people of God inspired behind you. See, eventually, what what happens is all of Israel sees these two dudes whooping everybody, and they're like, maybe we should join them. And they do. And it is a beautiful, beautiful victory. Church, what would happen in some of our lives and some of our families if we took a step of faith today to serve God, to trust God, to follow God, to honor God in a way that we're a little gun shy about? What might happen? I don't know, but it's going to be good. <laughs> I don't know, but, but it's, it's, God's going to meet you in it. And there's going to be transformation. Now, the story goes on, and as cool as all this is, it doesn't really end that great. Jonathan wins this huge battle, and then his dad, Saul, puts out this really dumb order. He says, hey, while this battle's going on, no one can eat. So all these warriors are sweating, fighting, all this physical exertion is like, hey, you got to fast while you do that. Genius idea, Saul, right? Terrible idea. And and Jonathan doesn't hear that order, and and he ends up eating some some honey to get some carbohydrates and sugar in his system and keep him in the battle. And when it all ends, here's how the story ends. There's great victory, one, and Saul is debating whether he should kill Jonathan or not. No good deed goes unpunished. And finally, the army's like, dude, this is the dude who did this all. You're going to kill him over some honey? What is going on here? That's how it ends. Not a lot of glory for Jonathan. Not a lot of praise. Not not what you would expect, right? You'd expect a a nice medal ceremony there, you know. You'd expect honor and praise and all that. but, But what does he get? He gets that ugliness. from from his dad, from the king. And then the story goes on even further, and eventually Jonathan dies, staying loyal to his king, who becomes more and more incompetent, more and more selfish, more and more egocentric, but Jonathan stays faithful to him, and he ends up dying beside him in a battle. And that's Jonathan's life. He never got the throne. He never got the crown. This awesome man of God, the dude who you're like, he's got every quality to be that leader, he never, he never, he never got it. And so I asked myself, well, was Jonathan's life a tragedy or a success? Well, it depends what throne he was after, doesn't it? If he was after the throne of Israel, it it was a tragedy. He never got it. He never got the crown. He never got to sit where Saul sat. He doesn't go in biblical history as one of the kings of Israel. But I don't think Jonathan was after that throne. I think he was after a different throne. I think he was after the throne of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I believe that everything that Jonathan sacrificed was not wasted. Not one ounce of it. Because the real king was glorified by it. The real king was honored by it. The real king will reward it. Here's what's difficult about sacrifice is are we after the right throne? If we're after the right throne, then no amount of sacrifice is too great. And every amount of sacrifice will be rewarded in God's way, in God's time, into God's glory. What you think you give up, what you think you're, you're passing by in service and honor of God, I'm telling you, there will come a day where you will not, not only will you not regret it, You'll look back and you'll be like, if I knew the throne was like this and the one who sat on it was like this, I would have given more to him. That is what sacrifice is all about. And so I think there was something in Jonathan that knew that. There was something in Jonathan that was driven by that. And and it made him live his life differently. And I look at him and I'm like, I don't care if he never got the, the name king. That dude was a king. That dude was more of a king than so many other people in Scripture. And I believe today that he got something better than the throne of Israel. He got to hear his Lord and Savior say, well done, good and faithful servant. And the honor of that is greater than anything this world has to offer. This world's got good stuff to offer, church. But I'm telling you, it doesn't compare to what your Lord and Savior has to offer. And Jonathan... Jonathan lived for that. And here's what's even more beautiful. I believe what's so compelling about Jonathan is that he is a type. He is a shadow. He is a preview of the heart and the soul of Jesus Christ. I believe Jonathan means means gift of God. Gift of God. My son's middle name is Jonathan tell him this story one day. It's going to be cool. But it means gift of God. And and I believe that, that there was a greater Jonathan than this Jonathan about a thousand years later, Jesus Christ. This Jonathan and Samuel was a gift for God, but the Jonathan I'm talking about, the greater Jonathan, he was the true gift of God. And the greater Jonathan, he saw that his position his royal position did not save him from danger, but gave him a responsibility to serve and to give his life. And he did that very thing. The Apostle Paul said, though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. That's a greater John." The greater Jonathan, when he went into this key strategic battle, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, as he was looking forward uh, to going to the cross, looking to it, and he asked his armor bearers, would you stay up with me and pray? They couldn't do it. They weren't with him, heart and soul. And not only that, as he approached that battle, everyone left him behind, and some even betrayed him, but he still went, even though none went with him. The greater Jonathan, he went knowing that he would not experience God's blessing, that God might help him, would not happen, but he would go knowing that he would experience the cursing of our sin and the wrath of God for us. And he didn't just risk his life, he gave it. Why am I telling you this? Because you have a Lord Yes, he calls us to sacrifice, but he first sacrifices everything for us. Every other throne that you go to, it will say sacrifice all, and, and then it will leave you disappointed. But church, we have a king, we have a Lord that says, yeah, I'm going to ask you to do hard things. I'm going to ask you to stretch. I'm going I'm to ask you to say no to yourself sometimes. I, I'm going I'm to ask you... to to experience difficulty in pursuit of following me. But I want you to see that I'm a God that will not only reward that, but I'm a God that gave everything to you, that sacrificed everything before I ever asked anything out of you. That's our Lord. And church, he is worthy of worship. He is worthy of our sacrifice. I would argue today that what we are called to give up in service to him is actually more of a privilege. And the more clearer we see him, the more clear we'll be able to connect to that reality. He is worthy. So today I'm going to pray, but I just want you to take a moment in your heart and I want you to acknowledge the infinite worth of the Lord Jesus Christ the infinite worth of the throne that he sits upon, the infinite majesty and goodness and honor that he deserves and that anything that we offer to him, that we open our hands to in him is not wasted, but going to the very best place it possibly can. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we are humbled that you are a leader who leads by example. That, Father, when we were pinned down in sin, in death, in evil, you broke through the battle lines. And you redeemed us. You forgave us. You reconciled us. You brought us back to yourself. Lord, we acknowledge today that there's only one throne in this life that matters. It's not... Our little thrones, but it's the throne upon which you sit. And that, Lord, any sacrifice for that, Lord, doesn't end up truly being a sacrifice at all. But it's a privilege. It's a glory. And it's returned in this life and beyond more than we can know. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see your great worth today. There's a lot of important things in our lives here today, Father, but I pray that we would just see you in a category alone of infinite importance, of infinite worth, worthy of infinite worship and service. And I pray, Lord, that the things that you don't want us to hold on to, we could loosen our grip on trust them to you help us lord we declare you are worthy you are holy you are majestic and you are good and we pray this all in jesus name